Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And uh, today we're sitting in the beautiful sun. It's a beautiful day out today in Denver, Colorado, which feels like summer, even though apparently it's the middle of winter. Yes. So they say. Although it does not feel as nice outside as it looks. Fair enough. It is all a, it is all a lie yes. <laughs> at the moment. But it's a good day to sit in a window and talk about games, which is kind of what we're doing. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what have we been playing? Let's jump right into that. We've had some uh, fun gameplays recently, and uh, yeah, let's talk about them. Okay. Um, well, I have recently played a game that I have not played for quite some time, uh, and I'd actually be eager to hear your opinion on this, because this is from uh, an old design by one of our favorites, <laughs> Phil Walker Harding. Ooh, okay. It's called Pack of Heroes. And I played it with, uh, I've always played, every time I've ever played it has been with uh, my son, Joey. And he's, uh, he's what, 16 now? He, we've played it since he was like 14, 13, 14. So he's always really liked it. He always, this is kind of one of his go-tos. Nice. And we hadn't played it in probably at least a year. And it is uh, exactly the kind of game that I always say I historically do not like, <laughs> uh, which is a 1v1 battle game where there is a grid, a 3 by 3 grid, and you have a literal pack of heroes. So you have five uh, hero cards, and there's, uh, I don't know, maybe nine or ten different groups of heroes, uh, and they all have some funny cartoon superhero name, you know, the Justice boy <laughs> plant warriors <laughs> or whatever yeah and so they're all they all kind of have a little theme but each pack is uh five heroes and you have a like leader you have like a uh, couple of uh like support guys and then you have like the sidekick who's pretty weak <laughs> um but they all have different movement powers and you also draw these power cards that are three different types and uh there's only just a handful, maybe uh, three in each. So, so I think you have total of nine cards in your little deck that you're drawing, and you're drawing these uh, to try and play them. For like certain heroes might need one blue power to use their power, uh, but a weaker one might need a blue and a green, um, and then somebody else might need a red and a green. And so there's uh, you're trying to draw these different combinations, so you can't use their superpowers on every single round, uh, and you but you're trying to sort of bring things out and because every turn you can do uh you can move and then you can either bring out a new hero or you can do an action um okay so you kind of gotta kind of like the duke you sort of have to gauge whether or not it's good to you know bring out more guys or to try and maneuver around to get in the correct position and so that's cool uh, it's pretty cool obviously it's only a three by three grid so the maneuvering is only so much maneuvering right um but it's uh, it's kind of silly. It's fun. It's fast. Uh, it's not complicated at all. And uh, it's it's a good game. It's a good game. Good old uh, Phil Walker Harding yeah. did uh, did did it well. This is one of this is probably the earliest of his designs that I've played. So yeah, it's it looks really cool. 14, 2015, 2014, maybe? I think. 2014. Yeah, it looks really cool. I'd lo- I'd really like to play that actually. 
Yeah, I it think it's right be, up my alley. <laughs> it, it, it is right up your alley because you kind of like those sort of games anyway, and uh, and I think you'd really enjoy this one. So, nice. and every deck plays really radically different, and they they require really different strategies. So, um, yeah, I think you'd like that. That's uh, Pack of Heroes uh, by Phil Walker Harding. Nice, good old PWH. Yeah, um, I got a uh, few fair amount of plays in, but the ones I'll talk about, I'll start off with this one. I got a play in of Doomtown, which I had played once before and not uh, since. <laughs> right. And uh, it was an interesting play. It kind of fell flat for one person. Aaron did not like it <laughs> for Aaron. <laughs> is that person? <laughs> um, and uh, I had fun because I'd played it before and I played the same characters before but i I totally understand aaron's complaints i was getting a little frustrated too uh third friend kevin who was his came and kevin did the footwork or the groundwork of making all our decks for us but weird how he won huh (laughs) yes and oddly he had some strong cards uh no i think kevin was doing his best to try to make it fair and balanced um (laughs) but uh yeah anyway so it it is a deck building game and it's set in the wild west i really loved my first play through this game i enjoyed my second play through this game but it really clarified that the deck building is uh knowing your deck is really important to the game like you have to kind of know what because you cycle through your deck several times through the process of the game Mm -hmm. and that's kind of part of the concept of the game is you're sort of searching for cards that you want purposefully and if you don't know what's in there well that kind of makes it a moot point you don't really know what you're cycling for you're just sort of cycling for the sake of it um and so it uh i think that was a struggle with aaron and even with me who'd played before i still couldn't remember and each each deck, even though it's the same characters, you can be set up a little differently. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, it, through parts of the game, you're going to be comparing poker hands. And inevitably, um, you are probably going to have to what's called cheat, which is using more, like two fours of the same suit uh, to make four of a kind. You know, you get throw another four in there mm-hmm. because my deck specifically is made up mostly of fours and fives of a variety of suits and then a few other random um, values and uh, numbers. So when I get a, uh, a poker hand at the beginning of each round, you have to um, just draw five off the top of your deck and then you play them out and then you compare uh, hands with someone else. If you cheat, though, and you can't help but cheat sometimes when that situation, you can get punished for it by other people's action cards. And so the outlaws just cheat. I almost always cheat in my hands. And uh, to make a powerful hand, I almost have to cheat. And um, so it's part of my game. But if you've built your deck to have <laughs> retribution cheating cards, I'm just going to get screwed constantly. Which it sounded like that's <laughs> all that was in well, Kevin's deck. <laughs> Kevin had some good ones, and he was good about keeping them and collecting them. Um, I went, we went, <laughs> was a couple times, we went head to head, and Aaron did those Kevin too. I had had like four times in a row. He was like, he was like I would. I would uh, would be like, okay, here we go. And then we lay down our hands and I would have cheated. I would have won, but I would have cheated. Then he had a card that made me lose. And when you lose, you have your people get wounded and sometimes killed. So it might be several people would be wiped off the board and I'd be screwed. We're going again. And then my last guy would be wiped off the board. All right. (laughs) Or no, no, he would stay around, but I would have to take like, I would have diminishing and diminishing and diminishing potency for my hands and eventually after four rounds he just got swept off the board and i'm like well damn how many of those cards do you have like <laughs> it was uh, just one of those situations where kevin had a really strong deck and i don't think he intentionally did it. he just happened to uh, have a well-built deck there uh so uh, next time i want to play this game i would like to build my own deck and uh, just knowing how the structure is and knowing kind of how i want to play the game i don't even mind playing the same character i actually like the outlaws um but I just like to have more control <laughs> on yeah. exactly what they do. I I was excited uh, 
like after you described it the first time, I was really excited to try it out. And unfortunately, I had to work when you guys played yeah, it. But yeah. um, I am a little less eager having heard how that play went because uh, I tend to like a lot of the same games as Aaron. Although Aaron hated Ragusa, uh, Aaron <laughs> did say that he would be willing to play it again. Yeah. Um, so maybe I, I don't know. It just seems like a, a awfully long game for for frustration. For such if you're a frustrated. frustration, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, I I was surprised it fell flat in that instance, and we were kind of talking back and forth on why. I do think the deck building is part of it, but Aaron Aaron's theory, and I, I kind of agree with this, is that it's, it's just not great at three at a three player count. Um, it's just. It just doesn't flow as well. It's probably it really really well at two, uh, and it probably works really well at four, and maybe it's just even numbers because there's a lot of territory control. Basically, what you're doing is you're building out your little town with deeds or buildings that, and mm-hmm. buildings do something. In each building, uh, when it's played in front of you in your town, you automatically own it, and it's called a control point. And that to win the game, you just need seven control points, and so you automatically own the ones you have. But other players can send a guy there to sit on that and take it over. And so you can do it to them, too. So basically, you're just kind of like sending guys across other towns to like sit on their buildings and just sort of be walking around their general store being like, nice general store here. Too bad if something happened to it. Right. And then uh, <laughs> so it's kind of like a mafia game in that sense. But when they're there, they're intimidating whoever owns the store and they own they kind of own the store for that time. And so they can get kicked out by someone else's person um, or they may have to run back to their town to defend their own properties. And so it's a lot of like territory control and finagling for position, which is really fun but is not exactly clear that's what it is when you start playing and i think um that's part of the struggle too but anyway hmm. with three people it's like well if you guys are in battle you're both weak and now i'm, I'm a kingmaker like basically i can okay. just sort of go after the third person uh or one of you and massively change the, sh- the shift of the game towards that other person who's being left alone um so it just seems like three is just not an ideal play count all right well but maybe we'll have to try it with four sometime yeah, I'd really like you to try it. I, I'm, and I'm sure you will, but um, I really think I, before because I had the same thought too. Before I played the second time, I was like, "Bill's definitely gonna like this game." And then I played it again. I'm like, "I'm not as sure as I was before." Bill might <laughs> like this game. <laughs> Bill will like aspects of this game. <laughs> All right, well, I'll take it. All right, so that's Doomtown. Um, the last one I want to talk about. Um, I know you probably have may have more, uh, but was one that I don't believe that you were in on uh, in fact i'm sure you were not in on and that was rival restaurants no i was not um rival restaurants we played with four Uh, i believe it does play up to six five or six um but it played really really well at four and uh this is by gap closer games it was a kickstarter that i got probably october october november maybe november um and uh you should be able to get uh, there's copies available on the Gap Closer website and everything, so it's still readily available. Um, and it is basically uh, it's like a culinary war. Okay. Um, if you've ever, uh, everyone gets uh, a restaurant and a chef, and the chefs all have uh, very asymmetric powers. The uh, restaurants all also have asymmetric powers, so there's very very little chance you're ever going to play the same restaurant chef combo there's like 12 restaurants and like 10 or 12 chefs so the combinations are are mind-boggling uh some of them seem to work a little better together than others but you know they like none of them 
you know, counter each other or anything like that. So, right. Um, but basically, uh, so you own a restaurant and there's a main board that has, uh, different marketplaces in it. Like the, you know, the carb carbohydrate factory and then like the, the dairy place and then like the, the meat market and all that, uh, veggie stand, uh, fruit stand, all that. And then, um, there's the Island where you can buy upgrades like, you know, uh, social media management or, you know, things that'll help you get more money. Um, and it's in three phases. And, and the part that I really enjoyed, uh, is actually one of the parts of a game, uh, is one of the mechanisms that really notoriously turns me off. And that's real time. Now, this is not a quote real time game. Right. Um, it's in three phases. Phase two is in real time. So, phase one, you collect your money, you set your secret dial to the location you're going to go to. Um, and then everyone reveals at the same time, and you place your guy on a product in that market. If two chefs place on the same product, then uh, they have the se- the entirety of the second round, which is timed one minute, uh, in order to uh, basically battle it out who's willing to pay the most for that ingredient. Mm, okay. Um, so, so basically the second round is, uh, assuming there's nobody's battling for ingredients, is uh, a real-time round in which you buy as many things from that market as you want to or can afford, and... Uh, you can also use that time to barter and negotiate with other chefs. Okay. You can trade ingredients, action cards, money, favors, anything you want. You can trade. It's open for trade and discussion in that one-minute round of buying and negotiating. That's cool. So there was a lot of, you know, oh, I'm going to buy this. Does anybody have a tomato? You got a tomato? Okay, what do you need? You need a fish? All right, well, I can actually I'm, – I'm in the meat market. I don't need a fish, but I can buy a fish if you'd give me you know, and swap you the fish for that yeah. tomato and $100. Okay, no hundred dollars. All right, and then you know, <laughs> and then cool. it's going, and it's only a minute, which isn't very long. Um, there's a little timer on it, uh, sand timer, and it just really sort of evokes that like lightning shopping round, you know, yeah. of the, the game show where yeah. you see like it's like supermarket <laughs> rush or whatever, yeah. where they're like they all have the shopping carts and it's like go, and they run in <laughs> yeah. and they're tossing ingredients in their cart, and you know. Um, and then you have these recipes, basic recipes and organic, re- organic, uh, basic recipes or gourmet recipes. And uh, then you use these ingredients to create recipes, which in turn give you thumbs ups, which uh, the first person to 20 thumbs up wins. Oh, that's cool. So Aaron won. It wasn't a very long game. It only took uh, maybe an hour. Uh, I bet it could have been 40 minutes or less if we all knew how to play. So it's not a very long game. Um. And and I I really enjoyed it. It uh, that real time round really was cool. Uh, it's one of the only real time type of uh, aspects in any game that I have really enjoyed. Normally I don't like uh, like that at all. Yeah, I think you would like it. The only way I could see that it would be uh, maybe somewhat unenjoyable would be if you're playing it with somebody who is very overpowering or aggressive right who may try and like talk over everybody you know during that speed round or try and bully people around or something like that um i I can't think of anybody in our group that's ever been there that would be like that but i know there are gamers that are so 
be warned on that one. Um, otherwise, it's, uh, it's, it was very enjoyable. Everybody seemed to like it. Uh, my wife, Kirsten, really liked it. Uh, I think you'd like it. I'll bring it. Uh, I won't be at game night next week, but the week after I should be. So. Okay. Yeah. No, it looks really cool. Yeah. And that is uh, Rival Restaurants by Gap Closer Games. I've never been around the back end of a restaurant, but I've always heard that that's very true to life where they're all kind of sort of community and they all sort of help each other, you know, friendly rivalries type of thing where yeah. you're kind of helping each other, but not without getting not something returned. Much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's really cool that they were able to incorporate that structure in the game. Yeah. There's also this neat thing in there where uh, when you create a recipe, and I think this is just to prevent people from, from uh, getting too much of a lead, um, kind of a catch up mechanism is when you generate uh, certain recipes, they create garbage. Oh, interesting. And when you get garbage, uh, it costs you, uh, you have to go to the island, and it costs you $100 per garbage to throw away. And, and a recipe might give you five garbage. Oh, man. Okay. Um, I, that would be a big point recipe. But uh, the problem with garbage is if you do another recipe and you have garbage, say it gives you four thumbs ups for creating that recipe, and you have three garbages, you only get one thumbs up because each garbage oh. takes a thumbs up away. Okay. So you have to be really careful about managing your garbage. Is it worth kind of taking a turn to go to the island? And it's expensive to, to you know, because you only get $300 per round. Right, right. Uh, now, of course, you can barter with other people to get more money. You can also buy upgrades uh, at the island that will give you more money per round. So uh, it's not always awful. My, my uh, restaurant kind of helped a little bit with garbage, uh, not... A lot, but I didn't win. Aaron won, so uh, by a lot actually. So, um, but it wasn't it wasn't too far off. It was maybe a five or six point difference between um, first and last place. So, oh okay. uh, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. It was close. There was never. I don't feel like anybody just absolutely dominating anything. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, all right. My next play is uh, I played Dice Throne, a brief game of Dice Throne. And dice throw—that's gonna—that's <laughs> gonna have yeah. to be the next Jamaica or something because I—I—I I don't know why I just don't like dice throwing. Yeah, well, you know, I kind of so uh, I don't dislike dice throwing, but I, I like I enjoyed my playthroughs, but maybe it's because we also played that as a three-player game again. But it's kind of the same thing I was mentioning about Doomtown, where in that structure, where it's a one v all type of thing. Um, you're just on your own. You're trying to battle other creatures or people or entities, whatever heroes, um, and be the last man standing. It, it, I don't know. There's, it, it feels like uh, it's fun to play and it's fun to have that character, but it feels like it's so much production into that basic structure of a game. You know what I mean? I yeah. wish I could take my character and go on an adventure with them, or as a group go on a story driven adventure or have a focus and goal than just battling it out. Um, it's really fun to do that. But once again, with three as well, it's like, well, am I going to hit, go after you or you? Okay. Who's in the lead? Who, um, uh, who is more of a threat to me? And then some, some people may be more of a threat to me. And then, so you just sort of can, has a potential to pile onto one person just to eliminate them. Or, um, I don't know. I, I still like the game. I enjoy playing it. I enjoy trying the different characters, but, it's one of those games where I I won't buy Dice Throne, but I am glad that I have access to it <laughs> through a friend. So I, I'm up for the game, but 
it's it's just feels like I wish it did kind of more. And I know that's not what it is. So that's hard to say of a game. <laughs> I want it to be more than it is, but I kind of do. I kind of wish it had more to this because yeah. each character is really fun and unique to play. But for me, a game like that, I uh, like King of Tokyo scratches that itch for me. I don't need more production than that to play Yahtzee style battling game. Right. Um, it's fun to play, but it's, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of back and forth on Dice Throne. So. My biggest complaint has always been, it's maybe it just stemmed from this one really bad gameplay, but um, I had this guy who just healed people. Oh, really? And yeah, okay. so, like, all I did the entire game was, like, try and roll stuff for healing combos. That So it just felt like I wasn't... I, it's not really participating in doing anything right, except yeah. for trying to just do this one every turn. I'm trying to just roll the dice and get this one result. I'm trying to roll the dice and get this one result. And it just didn't seem like there was much in the way of a lot of overt strategy to it. Right. And it just didn't feel like I had a whole lot of different like options or choices or like uh, with a more well-rounded character, maybe there's other combo options that hey if i roll this maybe this is a different direction i could decide to go this way or this way but that really that choice didn't seem to really carry over to this particular character well and your odds of even having that choice pop up like for the most part the left side of your board is pretty much mostly what you're going to be doing it's your base attacks and it's the highest odds of rolling those things your right side of the board is powerful stuff but one of them you're probably never going to get, <laughs> and and a couple of them are just really hard to get. And so it does feel like it's it's sort of like forbidden fruit over there that you may never even have the yeah. opportunity to go after. It just didn't feel like I had a lot of choices. It, yeah. it, it felt, I, I like to use the where, where you say it just felt like more of an activity, I guess, mm. than a game. Um, so I don't know. I, I just I, I guess if there are great choices in it, and maybe I'm I'm just missing them. So yeah, well I mean we also played that one. That was a three v three. So you're on a you're on a team, and that's changes yeah. the dynamic a little bit. I actually enjoyed that, but I I don't know. Maybe I just had a better. I don't even remember what character I played, but my my character felt like I was able to do. Or whatever maybe I was doing, I was just more into. I don't know. But I think everyone was able to do more than yeah. I was able <laughs> to do <laughs> for probably. some reason. But, but uh, yeah. But anyway, it's just one of the, like I said, it's one of those games. I really I do like the game. I find it fun and enjoyable. Um, but uh, I don't know. I and I ended up winning that that game. It was came down to the wire. It actually, was a really fun ending. Aaron and I sort of back and forth, and he had one. I can't think. Of, I think he had like one chance to block an attack of mine. And if he just did it slightly different he would have been able to to ride me out and then next turn he would have been able to finish me off um so there are exciting moments in the game but i I kind of agree with you on that one side it just sort of feels like there's like i want to do this stuff uh and maybe it's also in the cards i don't know i just don't know but it feels like i wish i could have access to those bigger powers more um but i know that would change the uh weight or balance of the game so who knows but anyway dice throne that's what i played <laughs> and had fun i would like to experiment with playing because what was it we played six and at six you have to do teams yeah and but i think does it play do you remember plays up to five without teams i think it i think I, so i have no idea i didn't do a very any research yeah. <laughs> on it because i just decided that it wasn't really my bag so yeah well once again it strikes me as one of those games that probably is better with bigger players without if you don't want to play teams without teams the highest player count without teams is probably more fun because then it just feels like a giant battle royale yeah. so i'd like to try that actually and see how it changes my opinion of it but okay but yeah, and, and i guess realistically battle games aren't necessarily my forte sure, yeah. even if it's not one-on-one <laughs> i guess just those kind of 
because to me that's that's like the definition of take that you're trying to kill everyone right yeah so it's <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah uh, so it, there's definitely strategy and everything but okay um yeah i don't think i have anything else i did i talk about movie empire last time i think i did yes yeah. you did yeah, so, yeah. yep that so one sounds really uh, cool too yeah I, we, we should we should definitely get that played at some point um yeah, so that's everything that all, all the big games that I played. Oh, uh, I got. I'll throw one you more. Got one out more. There. Toss yeah. it in. So um, the one that I played it, or the main one that I played at game night last night, uh, or a couple nights ago, whatever day it is today, uh, was Terra Mystica, and I had not played oh. Terra Mystica on a table in a long time. I have the app, and the app is really well done. And uh, my friend Alex and I will once in a while we'll play a game, but it's one of those great games over distance where like he'll take a turn, and then a couple days later. I'll take a turn <laughs> after I've had time yeah. to like really figure out what he's up to. And then it's like playing chess over online where you can just take your time. Um, and I like playing that way because you can, you can think, but actually I re- had a blast playing it on the tabletop because it, the, obviously the game's faster and you, it sort of diminishes your getting in your head and Terra Mystica more than almost any other game. You can get in your head over yeah. what you should do next and how to do it. It sort of makes you, kind of latch onto a couple things and sort of go after them and uh, really like play to your character strength, which is what you should always be doing in that game. But um, it was just really fun. I had a really fun time. I came in second. <laughs> Brandon, of course, uh, rocketed past everybody. He beat everyone by a stupid margin. And I, that is not, I believe it. It's just so annoying. But um, That's he a just meaty rocketed game. past us. Yeah. It's a meaty game for game <laughs> night. Like it, when I went over there, it was so big and overwhelming, and I've played it before. And I looked at it, and I'm like, "What is?" And as I'm saying, "What is this?" I, it registered what it was, and somebody said, "Oh, it's Terramistic." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I totally knew that because I played this before." It's just a lot of game, and uh, I'm like, "This is this is huge." Because you guys started it a little later than I would have thought. Yeah, you we to started start, at like a eight, game that big, and I was and, like, "Ooh, I don't know if we'll get through this." Yeah, but. Uh, and with I, full compliment too. Yeah, I was impressed. I I really think I thought Kevin's head was gonna explode. <laughs> Kevin did pretty well. No I, joke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he did. There was um, actually it was funny. There was a rule that I think there was a rule. I know there's a rule that Kevin and I both were unclear about that I had forgotten too. And I'd played the game before until the very end. It didn't affect me that much. I don't know how it affected him, but I think there was another one too that he realized towards the end or maybe i'm thinking of just that one i don't know but anyway um kevin did pretty well at, at, and uh, kevin and justin i don't think had played before and they did pretty well for first time players um i was just happy that i beat willem whose game it is <laughs> yeah and yeah. uh he wins all the games i play with yeah him, and so. he's really good at playing, playing games especially euro games because he's european yes um <laughs> weird how that works <laughs> yeah so uh but anyway it was just really fun i, I like once in a while those meaty really heavy games are just fun to like hurt your brain over and and that was just a fun playthrough to uh jump into terra mystica like and i we've had it before some people have brought it before and i've never been like yeah let's get the table because it always feels like no that'll be the whole night and yeah. i don't want to do that but uh but yeah it, we played it we got it in, in under two hours so it's pretty impressive actually <laughs> that's super impressive uh i'm i would like at some point to play the gaia project me too i'm very curious about that game yes so that made it to game night one time. Somebody came, brought it. And he never came back and he again. he literally never came back again. <laughs> he was like a Gaia angel and we lost our chance to and play like, it with him. Oh. <laughs> now I just keep trying to see if I can get somebody else to buy it. Cause, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's a big one. Yeah. I really um, want to play it too. Yeah. 
So, uh, all right. So today we are going to talk about, uh, we're going to do a little bit different format here. Yes. So we're going to talk about uh, unique takes on worker placement games. And I have a list that I came up with that Kaz does not know about. Yep, mystery list. That is 10 of my favorite unique takes on worker placement games. And he has played roughly half of them. All right. Uh, I know because I've played them with him. (laughs) Uh, And the other half I believe he is unfamiliar with. So we're going to just kind of rotate back and forth, and we're just going to have discussions on each one, whether he agrees that it's a unique take, uh, whether he likes it or not, whether I like it or not, what (laughs) I think is unique about it, what he thinks is unique about it. And we're just going to sort of – I think worker placement is really one of those genres that uh, I feel like gets very stereotyped. Yeah. Um, it is when you think of worker placement, you think of prototypical worker placement games. You think of you have a group of workers and there's a bunch of worker spots and you place on a worker spot and you get the thing. And then the round is over and you do it again and then you do it again and you do it again and then whoever has the most points wins. That is like the prototypical worker placement game. Right. And I think worker placement has gotten so far past that that I, I I think it's a shame. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a shame that people look at worker placement now. They hear worker placement and they're like, oh, yeah, worker placement. I've played that game. Right, right. Like, no, no, you haven't played this game. <laughs> right. Um, it's It really is one of those uh, really stereotyped if it uh, – it's like it's like an action hero, you know, where you have like you know, Bruce Willis gets typecast as a you know action hero guy <laughs> or something, and you're like, no, but he can do drama and comedy. Yeah, you're like, I'm not mm. very well, but he can. Yeah, yeah he's functional. Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> um, so, what do you think about how worker placement is viewed? Do kind of? I agree. See I it feel the same like way? I feel like it's um, lately. There's some really been some really cool takes in the last year or two on it. So it it's, it feels like one of those mechanisms that's sort of re, being reinvented and um, re looked at. It had its heyday and then it faded away a bit. It was still there, but then it's sort of being re uh, reappreciated or rehashed or reimagined in really cool ways. So I, I I always like even the base worker placement games. I've always enjoyed that mechanism. It's, it's very satisfying to play, just touching and moving those little guys around and putting them in places, letting them do stuff. So it's one of my favorite mechanisms for sure. Yeah, it is a very tactile mechanism. I I enjoy it too. Um, I think that the prototypical place a worker, do a thing, place a worker, do a thing, it can get a little old over time just because so many games have have done that. But uh, this is a list that I think takes that and uh and does something something different with it nice so i'm gonna right, open wait yeah i'm gonna open up with one you have played before okay uh one that you and i have played not too long ago all right and that is holmes sherlock and Mycroft. ah yeah okay that's a great one what i believe is so unique about this is that it is a two-player worker placement game a rarity um, an a absolute rarity. <laughs> most worker placement games do not work well with two players because uh one of the primary basic tenets of traditional worker placement is you place somewhere and that spot's blocked um and when you have all the same options but with only two players you can just sort of stay out of each other's way just enough to make it 
kind of solitaire game. Right, yeah. Um, but this one, this one does, uh, you can't block anybody, but uh, you can, if you use the same spot as another player, then it can cause that card to not be usable for the next round. Right. So you kind of have to make a decision of, do I need that badly enough that I'm going to take away my option to do it next round? Uh, or is there a chance maybe I'll just let it go this round and get to it first next round? Um, or, you know, what have you. Um, and the it's uh, the worker placement spots come out um, in variable order. Uh, one comes out per turn. And you don't use all of the worker placement card spots every single game. There's always two that just never get played with, that don't get played with that for that whole game. So it can have a pretty drastic effect on how the game turns out uh, because some some spots may be more valuable the earlier they occur. Some may be more valuable the later they occur. Um, some just aren't that valuable unless you're going down a specific path. So they, they won't maybe get used as much. Um, but all in all, it's... Uh, and, and then what it does with the, the whole scoring is is awesome but as far as the the actual the unique uh way that it does two-player worker placement is really really cool yeah yeah i love this one too this is a great uh very unique feeling game and unique game i guess one being the two-player worker placement game overall but <clears throat> it does some really fun things the set collection part of it tied with the worker placement um, and kind of like uh, trying to manage a strategy around <clears throat> those two things together felt really, really unique. And I love, I do like that part you mentioned before where um, you all have these, these sort of uh, tableau of actions available to you, but if you use one too much or you basically use it after someone else uses it, it suddenly, you scare off that witness and they're like, oh, too much, and they run away. Right. And so- Duck in hiding for a day. Yeah, yeah. And so they, so you suddenly don't have that option and then a lot of them are like sort of necessary to game flow so it's sort of this tentative um truce you have of like all right let's not overuse this too much and right. so it's like if i have it but then sometimes you may need to use it so you're like all right well i don't have a choice or your opponent might be using it too much and so you're like well you're just getting that's better than i am so i'm gonna take it out yeah, of, i'm gonna take it, take it out of play <laughs> next turn you have to find something else to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah so sure. that's really cool i really love how you can manipulate um the broad strategy options so drastically in this game that was so fun to play that play that so uh, yeah amazingly well done game all right um so then that was uh holmes sherlock and mycroft uh the next one is one that you i do not believe that you have ever played uh, right. but you may have heard of and that uh -huh. is a game called village no village is one i've it's a classic uh i one i've wanted to play but i never have so the unique thing about this there's actually a couple unique things about this um the first unique thing that sort of jumps out is um, instead of placing workers to do actions in village you seed the different locations with um, from the bat with uh, cubes from the back okay some of them uh, there are different colors and different colors correspond to different locations and uh, then there's also plague cubes in there gotcha so you you place them everywhere so like um, worker placement spot one might have three cubes worker placement spot two might have a cube and a plague cube three might have four cubes and two plague cubes or something like that right, right? so it's seated and then what you do on your turn is you take a cube from a worker placement spot put it on your board okay um 
if it's if it's one of the regular color cubes you put on your board and then you you get that thing you take that action right so it's kind of unworker placement so, so you're collecting these influence cubes huh, off interesting. of it you can also in, instead of taking a cube off you could place three cubes of that color on it okay in order so basically kind of reseeding it huh. giving you and your opponents more chances to uh, take that action okay um and if you take a plague cube, then it uh, ups your time. Uh, there's time as a resource in this game. Okay. And so you also have these meeples that are different generations. And as time passes, your meeples will die. First oh, right. generation yeah. will yeah. die, and then second generation. And so um, it. And and when they die, depending on where they, what location they were in when it died, uh, they would go into like you know, the Chronicle. Right. And they would be like the best farmer ever or whatever. And so so that kind of gives you more influence toward at the end of the game. Okay. So there's kind of this this dynamic of is taking this action worth this amount of time, but the killing your guys will help you at the end, but it kind of hurts you in game some. Right. So it, it it's a really interesting dynamic there and i've never heard of the concept of killing off workers like them just getting old <laughs> yeah, and dying yeah uh which is really really neat but i think that in combination with um instead of placing workers you're taking influence kind of like almost like sending invisible workers over there right and then once the cubes are gone from a spot uh that worker spot is closed period for oh, the rest wow. of the round okay. for the rest of the round oh round okay so um until the next round and it's it would get reseeded so that is one of the things why you may pay you know cubes to you know i, I need to i need that open right. for a few more rounds <sighs> i don't want to close it here but i do have enough influence to, to right. go over there and sort of reseed <clears throat> it so there's, uh, there's a lot of really really cool choices and it's there's a lot of discussion on the forums there whether this really is a worker placement game. I think it is. Uh, I I think it is 100% a worker placement game. Right. I just think it's a really, really cool and really different take on worker placement. And I think that sometimes we as a hobby can get a little too caught up in nitpicky <laughs> rules. We're um, pretty good at it. Yes. So I, But I think that it's... Uh, I, I think it's really cool. I also have this game. So if... We should yeah. play that sometime as yeah. well. Um, yeah, I've, I just, that's what I'd heard about is that the workers can die out, which is just fascinating to think of how to manage that. And then I, that's all I really knew about it, actually. So that's interesting to know about the influence distribution, how that plays out. So, yeah, Village is one I've always, I've hear mentioned or heard mentioned. I know that um, some of the main reviewers out there, channels that seems to be really highly lauded as very unique. Yes. structure so that's one of the games that, that i've always wanted to play and it's uh what, how old is it it's not super old but it's not um it's it's got i don't know five or six years yeah, so I, was thinking like, I mean it's yeah, yeah. it's it's old in game it, yeah, terms getting old, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh it's a senior citizen in in you know today's tabletop world but uh but it's yeah it's definitely a classic for sure nice all right the village and that is village or village the Village is a movie by yes. M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> we won't reveal the secret ending to you, but uh, I liked it. That was good. Uh, the movie and the game. <laughs> Likewise. So the the next one is one that uh, not only have you played, uh, but you own, and that is Zulkin. Ah, there we go. Yes. Zulkin is super unique, and 
I'll let you explain why you think it's a unique take on worker placement. Uh, I always think of Desulkin as um, uh, deferred actions the game <laughs> because it's kind of what it is. It's basically you've um, it's Sulkin, if you've never seen it before, it is a board, game board, a very beautifully designed game board with different areas of the board. But the main component of this board is that it has several gears. Each area that you can play workers on has a gear that represents that area and the little spot for you to put your worker on. And it uses uh, the flow of time to um, advance your worker down each position of the gear uh, per turn. And... Once you're ready to take your worker off, you take him off, and then you get whatever value or whatever action is on the space that he was removed from. Uh, so you only have two actions that you do on a turn. You either put people on or you take people off. And so it's all about the the, the, the crux of the thing is about timing your actions properly for the future and knowing that you have to if you both of your guys on well on your turn you have to take somebody off so which one are you going to do or are you going to find a way to extend their time on the gears to get better and better options uh, action options so i always get befuddled by Solgan, <laughs> but i enjoy playing the game and uh trying yeah. to wrap my head around the structure of it yeah i i love it just because uh like you said it is deferred actions the game so it is um in in case it was remotely unclear the longer you keep your workers in the spots the better they get so uh the key is managing to have one or two guys on there for a while that you're not pulling off uh to get really really powerful options and some of these uh, when you get them to you know towards the end of the the wheel of time there uh they get extremely powerful uh so like the things that you can do are are really fantastic uh the problem is you do have to wait for it. And yeah. there could be some turns where you're kind of sacrificing productivity and you're looking at other people reaping, you know, rewards at maybe a lesser level and you just got to keep focused on, okay, I need this guy to go around because then it'll be worth it. Right. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to cripple yourself. So it is it is very much a, uh, a, a long-term thinking game. And uh, I it's very heady. Very, yeah, it's very, very, very thinky, and um, it, it it can it's definitely a brain burner. In fact, I think this is the definition of a brain burner. I agree. I, of all games that I've played, I think Sulkin's the one that makes my <laughs> makes my head feel like I'm in molasses. Sometimes <laughs> by the end of the gameplay, I'm just just tired from uh, specking on and planning for the future and trying to um, gauge when I should and the ideal moments constantly throughout that game. Yeah, I I really enjoy it. Um, I just I love what it it does i don't know of any other games uh work placement games for sure that uh use that kind of time aspect uh t to just make workers better and better each round yeah um so it's kind of it, it's almost like a push your luck worker placement yeah kind of uh, in, I mean... in 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 a way because the longer you keep your guy on there like the less you're doing on current turns so yeah you're foregoing something good yeah, for you for later success yeah. yeah whereas you could be doing a whole lot of lesser actions yeah you know in in succession uh but is that worth it so in yeah it, it's right. <laughs> really really fascinating uh and i think that i don't know of any other game that does anything almost even close to what Zulkin does so that is why it is on my unique list nice all right, so the next one I also do not believe that you have played. In fact, I know you have not played. <laughs> um, I have 
only played this with myself. So, <laughs> um, and that is Coimbra. Ah, uh, uh, yes. That's a relatively yep. new I one. That one, I, I believe, just came out last year. Yep. And um, it is, I, I guess the best way to describe it is dice drafting worker placement. Okay. So, a whole bunch of dice get rolled, and uh, everybody goes around and they draft dice from this pool. Okay. And you're drafting not only the color, because the color determines the action, but also the uh, number of pips. So, um, and the pips is where it gets really interesting because um, once you get the dice, they, they become workers basically for you. And you place them in spots to do things. Okay. Um, but the higher the pip count, the more you are paying for that action. But the higher up on the ladder to get it done first okay you are so if you uh draft a six purple then you can do a purple action and you'll do it first okay but you'll pay six for it that's pretty steep yeah i might draft a purple two go after you and you take your purple action and then i i pay two to take the same purple action however you would get first choice of the things uh like there might be um, guys to select, like nobles to select or something. So you get the first choice there. So maybe if I think, okay, there's two two of these guys that uh, I am fine with, uh, I'm going to let him pick no matter what, I'm going to get somebody. But you're like, oh, I can only use that first guy. Right, right. Okay. So, um, but then once you place them, they become workers. It's, it's kind of prototypical worker placement there. But it's this whole queuing aspect of this worker is more important than this worker. Gotcha. But I'm paying more for that worker. Huh. Um, is, I, I think, what makes Coimbra unique and so popular. Uh, and it combines uh, worker placement, unique worker placement there with uh, with dice drafting, which everybody yeah. loves dice drafting. Yeah, oh yeah. Who doesn't love <laughs> dice drafting? Shut-ins. Communists. Um, yeah. <laughs> People who also hate America. <laughs> Sorry, communists. <laughs> As a communist, hey, dice drafting's my favorite. <laughs> we don't want to alienate anybody. Okay, so yeah, so that uh, that's Coimbra. Yeah, that's another one that's really beautiful design, too. It's very vibrant uh, design. Yeah, yeah. All right, so next on my list will be one that you have played before. Alrighty. And this is one I think we have mentioned several times on this uh, once, in, oddly enough, and on my disappointment list. Oh, okay. And that's Raiders of the North Sea. Ah, yes, okay. I love what Raiders of the North Sea, and really all of its other, you know, brothers in blah, blah, blah of the North Sea right, right. have done which uh, for, for worker placement, which is the place a worker, take a worker. Yeah. You place a worker at an empty spot, you take that action, you take another worker from a spot that has a worker on it, and you once you pull it off, you take that action. So every round you're doing two actions, and the workers are different colors, and some of the spots, depending on which color you put down, do different things. Right. So it not only are you thinking, okay, um, I need to do that action. You're also thinking, okay, well, I need a white worker to do the action I want to do on the next turn. So where can I pull off a white worker to get, you know, so, so you're, um, it, it, there's more than just, I want to do this action and that action place take. So, um, 
and it's Raiders of the the North Sea. It uh, it's disappointing in that I I I love the mechanism. I just every time I play it, I feel like there should be more. And right. granted, I have not played it with either of the um, either of the expansions, which from everything I read. Uh, they are necessary expansions. Like yeah, they're okay. one of those, you know, required expansions. Right, right. Um, I I may get them someday if I'm really get excited again about Raiders of the North Sea. But uh, I have this philosophy that if a game isn't <laughs> great without an expansion, then I don't see why it needs an expansion to be great. Right, so, right. Um, it's almost like a philosophical issue I have there, but. Uh, but I love what it did for the genre, and I love that aspect of it. And it uses it in the other games too, like Shipwrights of the North Sea, and what's another Builders or some, yeah, something. Yeah, whatever. Um, <clears throat> but it it uses, in fact, that whole series. I think even like the North Kingdom ones, the uh, like Architects of the West Kingdom, oh, yeah. or whatever. Uh-huh. I, I think a lot of those do do something similar. Um, so it's kind of that whole product line sort of uses this uh this mechanism and uh, and it's awesome it's awesome i love it it's totally unique it's uh it's different than typical worker placement and that is why it is on here i think you've played it right With yeah me? i played it a yeah. couple times yeah yeah i agree i just it did it it came out and really did kind of show a really brand new way to do worker placement and that minor little pickup drop off pickup mechanism structure um I think it was the only one doing it at the time, right? Like yeah. I believe it sort of sort of animated there. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know I, any other games outside of that company that do that now. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't think of any. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I really I enjoy the game a lot, <clears throat> and it feels like one of those games where um, coming replaying it after being away from it for a while, I'd probably be like, oh yeah, I forgot this is such a fun game. But it's definitely not a game that I just want to go after again and again and again. And I because I kind of feel the same way. It just feels like not that it's one note, but it's it's a small focused in experience um, that if you're really, if you're good at it or even experienced it, you're just going to crush every time. And so enjoying it is fun to see people be surprised by the mechanisms and how fun it is to engage with. But also it's like, all right, and now I'm going to destroy you. (laughs) Right. Because I know what's really counts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just one of those games where it feels like it's, you, you can, you can, have the edge very easily uh, with even a little bit of experience but it is very unique in structure i would like to experience those expansions but once again like you said i'm also not i don't own the base game but i'm I'm not clamoring to grab it um uh anytime soon so if i few by the expansion oh there we go together we will (laughs) make a full game (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyway yeah i'd be curious to see what they do okay and that was uh raiders of the north sea so uh the next one on my list uh you have not played okay and that is a game called City Hall. I have not. And in City Hall, what makes it unique is you place your worker in one of the spaces that you do something. And um, the next player can place in that same spot and bump you off, and they have to pay you for it. So part of your whole strategy can be placing somewhere that you know someone else may want just to get a benefit from it, knowing that after you're booted off, you could kick somebody else out of somewhere else, or you know nobody else is going for the spot you really want, and instead of placing there and being nice, 
you're kind of making them pay for that spot. Right, right. Uh, but you, that also could backfire if they're like, oh, well, I don't need it that bad, and you really don't need that spot. You're right. Like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I guess I have to take it. Um, so, I mean, there's some gamesmanship there. Um, but it's it's the choices that it brings out, I think, are really, really interesting. Um, nobody's going to go buy this game because it looks so it's bad. It's very bland. <laughs> it's, it's really ugly. Um, it, it's a fun game. Uh, I, I'm, and it's by, uh, what is it, Tasty Minstrel? Uh, yes, I think so. So it's uh, TMG and I really enjoy yep. it. I like it. Um, I don't really get it to the table very much. Um, and it is not a game that you're going to be playing out somewhere and anyone's going to ask you what it is <laughs> because they don't care because it's huh. not pretty. Yeah. They'll be like, oh. Just visit your grandparents' house. <laughs> it does look like one of those old style yeah. <laughs> Mattel uh, games. Or, but, it looks but, like a prototype, actually, kind of. Yeah, but I like what it does uh, for in worker placement in that you you can choose the thing you want, but you may not necessarily get it. Um, right. And so using that to kind of figure out when to boot other people, uh, when you should place in with the hopes of getting booted and all, it's uh it, it's a lot of fun it's it's choices that i don't see in any other worker placement games yeah that does seem really interesting so yeah it's got a really really cool mechanism there uh i recommend it but i i get it if you don't want to go out and get it <laughs> the, the box art looks cool box art's the, fine the board uh, the board is just the, yeah there's nothing basically structured. In it lo- looks it's just real institutional looking. Yeah. It looks like it was designed by the government. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To be efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but not even by like our government, by like the Russian government. <laughs> right. Yeah. It looks very like Eastern Bloc. Um, <laughs> some Eastern Bloc. Uh, I don't right. know. So, bureaucrat was in charge of the design of this. So that's uh, City Hall by. He, he got paid by using the least mentioned. colors possible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we don't have color printers here, okay? Right. We're not Mr. Fancy. You're pants. limited to four. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I'll have to be shades of gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does sound interesting, though. I I like that idea. So that'd be a fun one to try. Um, is it a quick game? Does it play quickly, or is it more of a commitment um, of an hour or two at least? No, it's probably forty-five minutes to an hour. Oh, that's not bad. It, it's probably probably an hour with uh, three or four players. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, there we go. Uh, and I think it plays five. Yeah. Um. So that is uh, City Hall. All right, City Hall. Down All right. So the list. next one you have played because I've played it with you. All right. And that is the Manhattan Project. Ah, yes. And what I really like about the Manhattan Project and why I think it's unique is that you have different types of workers. And because of the uh, different worker types, uh, you have uh, you have scientists, regular workers, scientists, and uh, engineers, and they each do different things based on you know where you put them um different worker placement spots require different combinations of different workers and uh it's kind of an interesting thing to manage because initially you uh it you're trying to figure out okay do i create more scientists do i create more engineers do i get blocks of like temporary workers to just try and get more uh more actions done and I just really like the the dynamic choices that it gives above and beyond. Well, where do I place my worker? Right. Um, you have to think so much further than that. And the whole concept of the game is uh, creating these 
workers manipulating these to get more workers to do things that can get you these nuclear materials that eventually you can use to create uh, your your atom bombs there. Um, but it's and it's not just this simple like one to one ratio where there it seems like oh the game's just playing itself. This right. is always what you do is this this direction. Uh, every game's a little bit different as far as kind of what avenue you're taking and you know what bombs are available and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that is Manhattan Project. What did you think when you played? I remember it's been a long time since we played this one, but I, I remember really liking the game uh, for that reason. It just felt like there were, and it's just fun to have like a science but not sci-fi game so it like it really ties the science you know you're sort of going after that 60s era if i remember correctly it's like the 60s era nuclear science yeah uh, sort of theme and so you're going after these like fusion reactors or components or something to build your like yeah. you said your lab or your bombs like uranium and <clears throat> plutonium yeah yeah trying to scan those resources and, materials yeah. yeah so i thought that was that was a really fun theme and i remember i remember really enjoying the game um yeah we should definitely bring that one out again because i uh this been a, who was who was it that didn't like that game Brandon hated it. Oh yeah, Brandon didn't like it. That's kind Brandon of surprising. even said, I think Brandon said, if the one game could be banned from game night, it would be that one. <laughs> Which is weird because he likes worker placement games. Yeah. Like one of his favorite games is uh, Feast for Odin, which is like a prototypical worker placement <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just think he he had a bad experience that's have, one yeah. that can be redeemed for him i think <laughs> i'll bet he'd be willing to play it again but yeah i i remember really enjoying it and um um now I'd, I'd like to play it again it's been a while all right so that was manhattan project which is kind of an older one not to be confused with manhattan project energy empire which also is a good worker placement game but not my favorite of the two uh there's also um manhattan project 2 Minutes to Midnight, <laughs> um, which is the sequel to Manhattan Project, but I still like this one better. So is the theme in the 40s? Like, is it actually historically trying to be around this that time? Because it like the box I'm, art looks like they're more modern. <laughs> yeah. I, it looks I, more I like think Cold the, War. I think the, I, the concept is like we're in the actual Manhattan Project. Okay. Um, but I don't think it wanted to look like City Hall. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Okay, makes sense. All right, so uh, the next one that you have not played, um, but have probably heard of, is Yato. Yes, this is one that we've talked about a lot, actually, yes. and I am excited to play it, but I have not so far. Y-E-D-O. And uh, what I really like about Yato is this whole the whole concept of having the city guard that sort of... Um, goes or you don't really know which uh how how much he's going to move and which direction he's going to move good people can manipulate players can manipulate that and uh if they land on your worker placement spot when you take it then you go to jail and you lose your worker and if it's one that you've purchased you have to purchase them again if it's one of your standard students you can you can bring it back it'll go back to your home dojo but um it's not it's not entirely like the whole game isn't 100% worker placement it just had it has the worker placement aspects it uses other you know it uses set collection mechanisms in there too and there's some uh, some action drafting and things like that but the uh, the worker placement part really shines for me um, in that you you may or may not 
get exactly what you need. And if you know that, uh, if, if you have a pretty good idea that the guy's going to, you know, he's going in a certain direction and you think he might go in a spot where you really need, you may not take the action you want just to preserve your worker. Right. Uh, but that also means that nobody else is going to tell, or somebody could take it and then change the direction of him with an action card and then you're left out in the cold. But maybe they wouldn't have changed it if you had gone on there instead. So there's <laughs> there's a, a lot of, there, there's a little bit of take that in there. Um, my advice is play without the samurai rules. Um which are really take that ish. Yeah. Um, you take those out, but, uh, but it's really beautiful. And, uh, and I really think it does uh, a really cool job of being worker placement, but feeling different enough from other worker placement games to make it unique in my book. Cool. Yeah. This is another one. I'm very intrigued by that Royal guard aspect of it. I just, I really want to experience how that feels. And I could see that I could see it getting carried away with take that or being frustrating, but it also, I hope assume that the game seems to be rated pretty well. Um, I regard it pretty well that it's well enough balanced. So it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it's getting in the way of you doing anything. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, it's not something that will necessarily even have could even affect you every single turn. I right. mean, obviously it's in the back of your mind. Uh, and it is something that you can kind of everyone a few times a game you may be able to you know really bust somebody with it. Yeah. Um, if you have the right action card to to manipulate it that way, um, but it's not going to get you every time. It's not going to be like the overriding factor in the game. Right. Um, it's not going to be so so ever present that it's distracting. But it gives a nice uh, a nice angle and a nice thing to extra thing to think about. Yeah, and that's cool too to have like yeah. actions that are temporarily removed or not ideal yeah but don't leave the game so they're there they're coming back but you're like okay i'll do that but now later (laughs) yeah 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 that's interesting all right and that's yedo by pandasaurus games who is awesome they're crushing it lately (laughs) i really like pandasaurus they they have three of kind of my favorite games (laughs) so um all right next on my list uh these last two i believe you have I know one of them you've played for sure. The other one I'm not sure if you've played, but I know you're familiar with. Uh, and I'm going to go with that one. Okay. And that is uh, Viticulture. I have not actually played Viticulture. It's another one that for some reason passed me by. The even though I know I, it's amazing. At first blush, Viticulture looks like a pretty standard worker placement game. Uh, what I think makes it unique and what it does differently is uh, everybody has this one grande worker that's a bigger worker than your other workers okay and you can use your grande worker to place someplace uh that somebody else has blocked so um say there's no more spaces left in this particular spot you really want you could play your grande worker there and take the action okay you only have one grande worker for both uh both seasons okay so like your summer and or day and night action or whatever summer winter action whatever, um, the two different phases. Uh, so if you use it in one, you can't use it in the other. So you have to be real careful as far as kind of which. It's almost like a wild card. Do I put it with you know this poker hand or this other poker hand? Um, so it's uh, that is is the decision I think that makes it more dynamic than a regular standard. Um, 
worker placement game is that whole when do I use this trump card? Right, right. Yeah, you know? that's interesting. And I, I really think that's uh, that's cool. That actually was uh, came out in the second edition of Viticulture. That wasn't in the original rules. Hmm. Um, and a lot of people had a big problem with, oh, well, once, you know, once the spot's closed, you know, I keep getting blocked out of the stuff that I need. Yeah. Um, and this sort of is one of those ways, well, you can do it, but you only get one shot. Okay. So make sure it's the one you really, really want. Right, right. So um, <clears throat> that's Viticulture by uh, Stonemeyer Games. Nice. It kind of reminds me of that. What's that one in Ragusa, the power, two-player game? What are those? Oh, the powerhouses? Powerhouses, yeah. yeah. Those are so satisfying. So that's yeah, he's using <laughs> yeah. the one time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the last game in my number one. Uh, all right. You should know because it's my favorite game of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and you've played it before. And that's Orleans. Yes. By Tasty Menstrual Games. Uh, second one on the list, oddly enough. Um, and Orleans, to me, is unique because it blends that bag building of, you know, pulling out workers. You know what you have mm-hmm. in the bag, but you don't know what you're going to have in this turn. Right, right. And so you're manipulating your bag in order to get the best group of workers that you can get your odds to to be able to do the action that you want. And you won't always be able to do that action, but you use these different workers and different combinations on your board to do different actions. And you may really want to put somebody in this, a couple of people in this spot, but you didn't draw that farmer. Right, right. You know, but... Uh, then again, you could be like a lot of people I know who never call their bags, and you could draw <laughs> six farmers, and that can't really do shit for you <laughs> at all. So uh, there, there is it, it really blends the worker placement of I need these workers to go in these spots to uh, it blends it with this whole how do I manipulate my bag and cull things and buy oh. the things that I need. Um, in order to make get the best chances and the best odds of getting something I can work with. Right, right. And I just don't see that in in really any other games. Yeah. So uh, people will argue that's not traditional worker placement because you're not taking a worker, putting it on a spot, and taking an action, and it's on your own board. But you know what? I don't care because this is our list, and as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> that is a worker placement mechanism. I'm pulling workers, and I'm placing them yeah. on my board, and I'm performing actions. So... If you don't like it, then uh, you're a communist. <laughs> you're really coming hard down the communist in this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears? Communism. Yeah. So uh, Kyle that's, Marks. Yeah, that's Orleans. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, liked Orle- I love Orleans as well. I think it's just a great game. Um, yeah, I, I think definitely classifies. I mean, technically even too, you're... Well, no, you're not worker placing on the board. You're, uh, what do you, your house, what do you, there's a trading house on the traveling map? Is that what you're placing? Yeah, you're, you're moving your guy around and, uh, you, you can place down, um, trading houses, yeah. which give you extra points at the end of the game. Yeah. So I, I, uh, yeah, just a really great dynamic of like, it kind of reminds me in a way of, um, uh, oh, shoot, I'm blanking it. What's the one where you, you're a necromancer or something, you build your friend, um, you don't have any friends until so you build it up. God, what I can't think of the game. We just played it with bones and skulls and oh, oh, um, bones and skulls, uh, bones and skulls. Dead man's cabal. <laughs> Dead man's cabal. Yes, just that Dead Man cabal <laughs> By has. Pandasaurus. Yeah, once again, has so many like 
many games that make up a bigger, broader structure and fit very well together. Orleon does that. It's to a lesser degree, but it's that same feeling where you have these mini games. You can't focus on one of them solely, so you have to sort of have your fingers in all the pots. Um, and that makes it even more fun to plan out your bag correctly and be able to have these actions go when you hopefully want them to. So, yeah, just a really great design game. And, uh, yeah, once again, one of those games that just sort of, like, takes the worker placement idea and tries to just do something a little different thing with it and blows it out of the water. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I agree. So are there any uh, any games on this list that, uh, that I missed? When you think of unique worker placement, is there anything on there that you're like, huh, I'm really surprised to not see this on there? The only one that popped to mind is... Um, uh, Pillars of the Earth, and the with the yeah. and with that I is just really thought about that. Yeah, I could see that being a, an eleventh because um, that has the same thing too, where you have two types of workers. You have your grunts, basically, who you send to the mines or the quarries to get base ingredients, uh, concrete, sand, or metal. Um, uh, no, metal is one thing, but there's a third one. I can't remember exactly what it is. Um, uh, to uh, to there's like sandstone and ore or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But um, but anyway, so you're sending the these sort of like just workers and then you have a higher level of political influencing workers that you send to like um, the you have like to talk to the um, religious heads uh, the, of the area. You kind of influence them to get favors or the kings or the royalty to get favors. And so I li- that's really interesting. Where we have two types of workers that do two separately different things. That you have to kind of manage. And of course, the um, the turn order dynamic turn order there is also a big part of the game that's just really fascinating which goes into your strategy as well so i really like that one i think that one's very unique in that sense and uh um yeah does a really cool take on worker placement that's that i've not experienced elsewhere exactly like that yeah i i agree it's uh it's one of the originals as far as like it was that was the first worker placement game i ever played yeah so um i i really loved the concept <laughs> And and you could you could argue in a couple you could argue that it is the most straightforward example of a worker placement game. Right. But then you could also point out things like that that uh, that make it unique. That it still hasn't been duplicated. No, yeah. Uh, I don't know any game that plays like the same way that right. that Pillars of the Earth does. So yeah, it yeah, still holds up. Still satisfying one. to play. So. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. But uh, but yeah, no, that's a great list. Um, once again, we've talked about this before. We need to make a, a an active list of games that we need to replay <laughs> or bring back to the table or yes. play initially, and uh, just sort of <laughs> cull the list as it goes down. We need it's going to be never need, ending. Yeah, we need a couple days where we have like six hours and we bring right. games and just bust through like Get four through or five few, of yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. We should. Okay. Epic game day. We know they're epic game day. Yes, I'd like that. All right, so that was our list, and I believe that is our show. That is it. Yeah, and let, let us know, you guys, if you have any, if um, anything else to add or a game worker placement that you think does uh, something unique or different or pushes the genre forward or I don't know, takes it back. Yeah, <laughs> um, in a good way. Um, but um, let's see. You can reach out to us to let us know those things in many different ways. Of course, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Roasted Games One. You can reach out to us through email at roastedgamesco at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Roasted Games. You can look for our logo there. That's an easy way to make sure you got the right one. Yes. And uh, what else do we got? Are those the best ones probably? But Yeah, that's, that's the best ones. Yeah. Still waiting for some mail. Still waiting. Guys, come on. One of you. Just one is all we're asking. A right, little it sleuthing to find our address <laughs> and uh, send us that mail. But until we receive that... 
we'll keep churning out these episodes and uh hopefully soon we'll be able to get to that epic game day and have a big report for you guys on re- rediscovering or discovering for the first time these games that yes. we have not played yet so oh, great anyway thanks for listening everybody and we will catch you on the next episode bye